0: to read on in verse number 25 and down through the end of the chapter, he will return to the subject matter of marriage. He is answering a question that is grounded somehow in verse number 1 about the appropriateness of physical relationships between men and women. They have asked him some question about what is acceptable or right. And Paul has begun to answer it. Verses 17 through 24, which have nothing at all to do with marriage, are not really peripheral to Paul's argument, but are actually central to all that Paul will say on the subject matter of marriage. Paul is responding to their question about physical relationships from the perspective that all believers have been called to consecration. The governing passage of the entire book is 1 Corinthians 1-2. We are sanctified. We are called to be saints. That is what God has for us in this world. I think, although we're going to look at the entirety of the passage, that if we simply looked at verse 17 and at verse number 24, the verses that bookend Paul's thoughts, we would understand what he is saying. I'm not suggesting that people would like what Paul is saying. I'm just telling you this is what Paul is saying. And what Paul is essentially saying to every one of us is, Remain as you are. Remain as you are. Remain as you are. Remain where you are. Continue to do what you are doing as long as it is not sinful. Stay where you are. This is Paul's consistent counsel throughout the passage. Are you married? You should stay married. Well what if my spouse is not a believer? Well, you should stay married to that person if they're willing to be stay, if they're willing to stay married to you. Are you unmarried? Then you should stay unmarried. Are you widowed? Well, then you should just remain as a widow. Now Paul towards the end will make some allowances and some provisions, But folks, what is inescapable throughout the passage in almost every subject that comes up, or every aspect, people who may have been divorced or people who have been widowed, Paul is going to state the same thing over and over and over and over again. Stay the way you are. Stay the way you are. My advice to you is, stay the way you are. And the only thing different about that, folks, is that now he takes up two additional subject matters and brings the same principle to them. So it is the principle, folks, that is the thread that goes throughout the chapter. It is not that verses 17 through 24 are some kind of an interruption. Because Paul has not interrupted himself at all, he wants everybody to know how he and he has persuaded the Lord think about where we are in our lives. And again, his advice is constant and consistent. My advice for you to be would be to remain as you are. But there are two distinct groups of people that are mentioned, and we will take our time this evening to look at them, right? Having talked about... <clears throat> people who are unmarried, and we explored that, probably those who are divorced and people who are widowed and people who are married, believers who are married to believers and believers who find themselves married to people who are yet unbelievers. And Paul's advice has always been the same. Well, wherever you find yourself, that's how you should stay. And now he begins to elaborate on the logic behind that. Why should I stay the way that I am? In verses 17 through 20, Paul takes up the subject of whether a person is circumcised or uncircumcised. Verse number 17, but as God hath distributed to every man, as to God, Paul says, your station in life comes from him. God is the one who has apportioned you to where you find yourself. That is what he is explaining in verse number 17. As God hath distributed. Now, again, in America, as moderns, we very much believe that we have large amounts of influence over where we live, And what we do, and the kind of jobs we have, and the kind of skills that we develop, and the kind of decisions that we make. But the biblical perspective never varies. God has apportioned us in this world. God has appointed us to these places And that is where Paul begins. This is the opening statement of the logic of his explanation. Why should I stay where I am? As God has apportioned to every man. As the Lord hath called everyone. This is a reference to their salvation. First Corinthians one nine, God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. Calling is just one of the words that God uses to describe our salvation, and the emphasis of that word of course, folks, is not upon our response which is necessary, but upon His initiative which is also necessary as God has called you. We are saved because God saved us, and we are where we are because this is where God has put us. And that does not mean that he has not providentially used the skills that he has given us and the families that he has given us. But God is the one who has arranged our place in this world, So back to verse 17. As God has distributed to everyone, as the Lord hath called everyone, <clears throat> so let him walk. And of course, walk is one of the Bible shorthand words for live his life. As God has saved you, as God has placed you Live there. Live there. Live what the Lord has for you right there. This, by the way, is the first imperative that we encounter in this paragraph. You must walk this way. You must walk this way. And then Paul gives us this sentence, and I would just point out that on the place, because folks, there are a couple of things that are immediately notable about 1 Corinthians, I would suggest. Number one, it is a very humbling book to really sit down and study 1 Corinthians and understand what Paul is talking about in almost every subject we find ourselves scratching our heads. We are frequently confused by Paul's writings. That's one of the first things I would I would note about the book. It is that there are just so many places where there are so many possible renditions. Which leads to the second thing, that 1 Corinthians is one of the books that is used by people to wiggle out of what are long-standing Bible teachings because of the pressure of our culture to do otherwise. And that's why a little sentence or a little expression like you have there at the end of verse 17 is so very important, folks, because it moves the book out of the realm simply of the culture of Corinth. This is what I ordain everywhere I go. Whether I am in Europe preaching the gospel, or whether I am in Asia preaching the gospel, whether I am in wealthy Corinth proclaiming the gospel, or poverty-stricken Macedonia proclaiming the Bible, I give the same counsel everywhere I go. Remain where the Lord has placed you. Remain where the Lord has placed you. So then to the specific in verse number 18. For instance, for instance, is any man called being circumcised? let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. So had you been raised as a Jew when God saved you? Is that your state? Is that the portion that the Lord has for you? That you had been a Hebrew and a Jew and God saved you? Don't pursue what is medically known as epispasm, an attempt to reverse the effects of circumcision. Don't try and pretend that you weren't a Jew. The portion that God had for you was that you were a Jew and you got saved. But were you a Gentile? Were you uncircumcised? Well, then don't get circumcised. And here is the second imperative in the paragraph. Under no circumstances should you become circumcised. And what we assume here, because we know that Paul had strong feelings about circumcision he would not circumcise Titus, but he did circumcise Timothy because Timothy had Jewish blood, so to speak, in his veins, and Paul didn't want that to be an impediment, so Timothy was circumcised. But, so we, we would assume here that what Paul is arguing is, don't get circumcised for any act of devotion or consecration. Don't try to prove how committed you are by submitting yourself to the ritual of circumcision so whoever God has called you and wherever God has placed you live there and if you were a Jew and you came to faith in Christ that's what God had for you and if you were a Gentile and you came to faith in Christ that's what God has for you Then Paul makes in verse number 19 what many have called the most explosive sentence that he ever wrote. Circumcision is nothing. And it is a very forceful word, folks. It is nothing in the sense of there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. God could not care less. That's the point he's making, folks. It is incidental to the consecration of your life. It doesn't matter. You're not more circumcised, more, more, consecrated because you're circumcised you're not more consecrated because you've gone through the surgical terror of having the circumcision reversed God could not care less this is what God cares about circumcision is nothing obedience is everything obedience is everything And Paul does not say obedience is everything. But you see the gist of it there. Circumcision, nothing. Uncircumcision, nothing. But keeping of the commandments of God. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. Folks, this is genuinely revolutionary to any church that is filled with Hebrew people for whom circumcision meant so much and who were circumcised because it was the commandment of God for them. I have to remember something, folks circumcision wasn't a human invention, circumcision was something that God gave to Abraham that became codified under Moses that became one of the great distinguishing marks of what it meant to be a Jew. And now here is the same God who deals with us under a new covenant going, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. But keeping my commandments, that that means everything. And so then in verse number 20, Paul has a summary for those. And obviously here he is talking specifically to the male gender. Let everybody abide in the state that they were called. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And here is the third imperative in the paragraph. Abide in your calling. Obey the commands. God no longer divides the world. Folks, circumcision was the great division in the world. It no longer is. Faith in Christ is now the great division in the world. And that brings us in verse number 21, where Paul runs basically through the same kind of scenario with a different group of people, a different subject. Right? We'll talk about marriage. We'll return to marriage. But what I really want to talk about is this. I really want you to think seriously about the spiritual implications of making big life changes. That's where Paul is going, folks. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm, look, please, I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody here or anybody in the future or anybody who might ever hear this anywhere. Americans move all over the place. But most of those moves, folks, are not really spiritual in nature. They are for money, or for geography, or for advancement. And many, many times, folks, many, many times, the last consideration is the most important consideration. I literally had one of our church members say to me one time, as we were discussing his upcoming move, there's nothing left to do but pick a church. That should be the first thing to do. One of the things that will accompany Paul all throughout 1 Corinthians 7 is not that you have to stay where you are, but that if you're going to change, you have to do it with spiritual considerations in mind. He will, talk, touch, he will begin to touch on that right here, and he will most certainly touch on it in the paragraph that follows. You know, Paul could just write, and I'm digressing a little bit from the text, Paul, God could just say to us, no, right? I just forbid anything. But that's not what he does. What he really does, folks, the the chapter is filled with wise spiritual counsel about how consecrated people are supposed to approach these things. So... Verses 21 through 24, Paul talks about slavery. Art thou called being a servant? When you got saved, were you a slave? Care not for it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There are lots of people folks there are lots of people who make a big deal about their past of how bad it was or how humble it was but here is God's advice for you don't worry about it because after all folks it's the portion that God had for you 1st Corinthians 7:17 7, As the Lord distributed to every man. There are just people that God placed into very poor and humble origins. There are people that God placed into the not best of homes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Verse 21. But if thou mayest be made free, notice what he said. He didn't say, take it. He said, use it. Because it's not the goal of life. Use it. Manumission is not the goal. It's not the highest ideal. That's what he's saying. Right? Because the orientation is that we are in the place that God has for us. This is what the Lord has. Here we are. That's what the Lord has. Why should you do that? Verse number 21. Why should you not worry about the fact that you were a slave or are a slave? And why should you, if you have the opportunity to become free, not just simply grab at it, but use it carefully? Verse 22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant... Right? So those who were slaves when they got saved, which I realize is none of you, You're the free, you're the Lord's free man. You're still free in Christ. Also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. A slave is not as enslaved as you would think, and a free man is not as free as you would think. Because remember, we're all consecrated. We're all consecrated. Our state in this world is supposed to be oriented then to the Lord, not to our class or our condition. And there were people who literally, it was part of the Jewish economy, most of the time when you're reading about slavery in the Old Testament, you're reading about the voluntary form of slavery in which you could sell yourself into slavery. Right? You could guarantee for yourself a place to sleep and clothes to wear and food to eat by becoming somebody else's servant. James makes the same argument, James 1, 9, and 10. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. You're called being a slave, you're still the Lord's free man. But the rich in that he is made low. <clears throat> Are you free? you're not as free as you think because you're still the Lord's servant. You're still the Lord's slave. You still belong to him. And then there is verse number 23, which is a little bit of a perplexity to us. Ye are bought with a price, be not ye the servants of men. There, there are basically two trains of thought to this. One is that Paul is talking literally. That what he is doing here is prohibiting, on the basis of verse number 22, he is prohibiting you from voluntarily selling your slave into, men, into, into servanthood. Don't do that. But what I think in what is an equally valid assessment Is that Paul is talking about this metaphorically? Since you understand God's position, verse number twenty two, do not sell yourself into man's position, verse number twenty three. You know, folks, it's a it's an uphill battle to overcome the mentality of our culture. it just is <clears throat> it's just it's just an uphill battle to fight against the culture in which we live to fight against its value system its way of thinking about our place and our status and our ability in this world right because from the from the day we're born it's kind of built into us that part of the goal of being an american is to get ahead And to be free. And that just oozes out of every pore of American fabric. And we are Americans. People don't come here so that they can be enslaved. They come here so that they can be free. And they don't come here because they can be poor. They come here because they can get ahead. And here is God saying... You know, that's not all it's cracked up to be. It isn't necessarily what I have for you to keep advancing and advancing and advancing and advancing. That's not necessarily what I have for you. And it's okay. Because right? I don't measure you by that standard. <clears throat> so that brings us into verse number 24 to his final summary statement. He said it three times in the paragraph. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. That's where God found you. That's where God is. There's no reason for you to not be there. And again, folks, Paul will stand by that kind of advice no matter what the question is. Let me just take the last few minutes here and think through this in a little bit more of a modern frame of reference because we don't really think about circumcision religiously anymore and we certainly have our own free culture that doesn't really know anything about slavery as far as really trying to practice it. How can Paul say the things that he is saying? Well, first of all, because at our salvation, we are made entirely new creations. We are made all over again. And we are called then to surrender our sinful ways, but we are not necessarily called to surrender our, our condition. And secondly, folks, to be consecrated to God is something that actually transcends our state or our status on earth. You can be a slave and be consecrated and be completely pleasing to the Lord. You can be married to an unbeliever and be completely consecrated to the Lord. You can be completely Gentile from the soles of your feet up and be completely consecrated to the Lord. And the fact that you are free or affluent or skilled or highly valued does not make you automatically consecrated. And in fact, folks, I think that we all understand in some ways perhaps works against it. we all right and finally folks <clears throat> no change that we make no change that we make is ever going to confer upon us ultimate liberty or ultimate happiness that's found in god We will always be his servants. We will always be called to consecration. So that, folks, our happiness, if I can use the word, and I'm going to use the word because Paul will use the word at the end of chapter 7. Paul will say, "You you can make this decision, but I think you'd be happier if you didn't. So that our happiness, folks, is not found geographically or financially or status our happiness is not supposed to be found by changing partners or changing positions or changing zip codes we're supposed to remain where we are and be consecrated there that's paul's message what he says for us. And that's what he would say to any church wherever he went. Whether it was the poorest of people meeting on a dirt floor, he'd say, now look, this is what the Lord has for you be consecrated. Or whether it was the wealthiest church in America, he would say that this is what the Lord has for you be consecrated here. So we will stop there. There is the passage for us this evening. Are there Any things that you need to add or update on the prayer bulletin?